Pablo for breakfast. People of the Pilbara. Hello and welcome to People of the Pilbara. Now this podcast series is all about you, the people of our town that make Karatha such a special place to live. And I think there's something really unique about people that come to a place maybe they've never heard of in the middle of a desert, apparently with nothing to do. But as we all know, a lot of us come for a six month to 12 month plan and end up staying a decade, like I did. (laughs) So this podcast series, we're gonna have a chat to everyday people that call Karatha home and find out what they do here, what they love about Karatha and what's next in their journey. And this week's guest is Brendan Grills. Now we chat to Brendan about his political career, how he ended up in Karatha and what's he done after politics. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy my chat with Brendan and his journey to call Karatha home. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Great to join the show, Pablo. Now, some people may not know this uh, and I want to touch on how you ended up in Karatha because when I moved to Karatha, you were already here, you were established, you were our member of uh, parliament. Uh, But the journey from the wheat belt, I believe, to Karatha is kind of pretty interesting. It's a pretty wild tale of packing up your bags and moving, <laughs> moving north. Well, I was always a bit of a troublemaker in politics, so <laughs> I, uh, I I liked you know breaking the mold, I suppose, and doing something different. Um, and probably that became my political brand um, uh, at the end. So yes, I was elected in two thousand and one for the seat of Meriden. It was called at the time. I grew up on a farm in Corrigan, little wheat belt town between Meriden and uh, Narragin. Uh, the seat was called Meriden, uh, won that by-election uh, by in 2001 to replace Hendy Cowan, who was a giant of you know regional West Australian politics, and um, got into Parliament and thought I had something to offer. Uh, people will have different <laughs> uh, views on that, but um, managed to become leader in 2005. Um, and then we won the balance of power in 08 and formed our government. That was the Royalties for Regions election where we formed the, um, the Alliance government with Colin Barnett and, uh, and the Liberal Party. And, um, and then Royalties for Regions was really about the Pilbara. My, um, my brother had actually come up here. I, I started travelling up here in 2005 when I became the leader. And having grown up on Wheatbelt politics, I tell this great story that in, in little Wheatbelt towns, if, if the nurse was planning on leaving because she was going to get married or she'd started a family or she'd been a nurse for 50 years and it was time to retire. The country, little country communities would mount the sandbags up and go to war with the, the, the department, mm-hmm. the, the, the health department, over stealing our nurse. Mm-hmm. And so everything in a country town was about fighting for, for keeping what they had because you had that problem of farms getting bigger and, and mm-hmm. populations declining. So every single thing around politics of little wheat belt towns like where I was from was fighting to keep what you had. It was very different when you came to the Pilbara. Uh, what you saw was expanding communities. They were growing, and they had huge growing pains. They were they were set up small. Mining had grown and grown and grown. And so you had towns that essentially had the infrastructure the same as my little town of Courage and population 1,200. But I was in places like Tom Price with 5,000 people. It had worse infrastructure than the communities that I was in. Um, in our little community, we fought tooth and nail for everything. And I, I started coming to the Pilbara going, geez, there's some real political challenges um, in, in these Pilbara communities. And, um, and, and probably not a, not a history of political action or political fighting. And so as a new leader in 2005, it seemed like fertile political territory. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I was really interested in the, in the remote um, regions and parts of the state. And so, yeah, so I sort of almost adopted the Pilbara as a, as a second home. And although I was a member for, 
for the wheat belt area. Spent a lot of time up here. Um, my brother came up here, very close friends of mine came up here. They lived in Balmoral Caravan Park, the one that's now shut down on, uh, on, on Balmoral Road. You know, that back in the day when it was packed and, and overflowed and people stayed there for two years. And if you had a caravan <laughs> spot at Balmoral, you were a lucky one. Yeah. Uh, you weren't living in a car or a sea container. <laughs> you were, you actually had a caravan, uh, a caravan bay. And, and, you know, they were, they were little micro communities there that they all, you know, my friends were working 30 days on, one day off in construction. Mm. And it was just intense. And, you know, they everyone bought a boat and you had one day a month to <laughs> go fishing and yeah. hope like hell it wasn't windy. And so, yeah, I loved it. And and sort of that Balmoral Caravan Park was, I tell people, the foundation of this royalty regions and winning the balance of power that this wasn't right, that that communities like Caratha and, and Tom Price were delivering so much to the state and the nation, and and it seemed like not too many people cared, and so that um that became a story, and then yeah the the, the extension of that was in 2013. I um stepped out of my seat in the wheat belt. I was had a very good replacement down there in Mia Davies, who went on to bigger and better things, rose far higher up the political ladder than me by becoming the leader of the opposition. She's just stepped down for for uh, for new opportunities, but yeah. So I decided to step down out of the wheat belt and um, and bring the family north, um, settle down in Caratha, and um, and we won that seat, which was unusual, having been the leader of a party and dropping out of a safe seat, running for a marginal seat. Mm-hmm. We won that and kept on our merry way, and eventually the music stopped in 2017 when the voters finally caught up with me and said, time for you to go, Reels. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, I don't know the, the whole history of uh, WA politics originally being from Victoria, but the Pilbara had been a really safe Labor seat. So for you to go out, I mean, you've you know, known, especially at the end, has been a risk taker and you know, it's willing to take those big challenges on. Yeah, you weren't guaranteed to get this spot, right? Oh, people said I was mad. Yeah. Um, they said, you know, you, you, you won't win. Well, that probably probably helped the cause. That's probably why I wanted to. So, you know, politics is the art of numbers. You know, the, the, the parliament's divided up into seats. And if you've got more than the uh, than your opponents, well, you win the vote. And if you can win the vote, you can change things. And we knew that, um, that to drive a regional development agenda, we needed to win more seats. I was the highest profile national. So if you're going to go to a marginal seat and try and win it for the first time, and the Nationals had never sort of even run candidates in the North. So um, so in 2008, we did that and built a, not a strong base, but at least a base. Um, and, you know, it was fertile territory because of all the issues that, that we spoke about with people living in the caravan park being a, being a luxury and no housing and health and education and everything else being under pressure. So, yeah, I, I look back at it fondly. Um, the notion that, you know, you could even do it, that to come to a new area and campaign on a platform and to be able to deliver it and and hopefully people will think that you know you can see the legacy of some of those decisions uh meant in the end that hopefully i had a pretty good political career and you know maybe encouraged a few more politicians to break the mold and try different things and try and uh, try and change things up there's no point complaining you know, try and come up with a model that can can make the change now when you were talking uh then and talking about the the caravan park it reminds me of when i turned up and you know there were 10 people, you know, all sharing houses and you had mates sleeping on couches and whatnot and five land cruisers out the front of one house. Uh, did you see the overall vision? You know, Pilbara Cities was developed. The main street was redone. Uh, we created a CBD. When you first came up here, though, did you sort of have this idea that this was possible and could be done in Karatha? 
Um, well, it was very easy to define the problem uh, because it was everywhere. Mm. Um, as you said, it was not unusual to have 10 people living in a house, um, like couples, you know, couples renting a bedroom and that's, you know, four separate couples in a three yeah. by one. Um, you know, someone living in the office, which was only big enough to be an office, overcrowding at the caravan parks, you know, overflow everywhere, you know, all of that accommodation that was built up in the light industrial area off the back of there yeah. being no other option. Um, so it was a bit of a policy mis mismatch. Um, I, I didn't like the fact that you couldn't get a doctor's appointment, you couldn't get a, you know, haircut, you couldn't get a coffee, uh, all of those things I thought didn't didn't facilitate regional development because everything was just imploding. And because the challenge was so great, I think, you know, most people thought, well, let's not start to try and address this because if you don't think you can fix it, mm -hmm. best we don't start because, you know. So we, um, yeah, we, we just identified the problem and, you know, we had a fair bit of luck on the way to, to win the balance of power is relatively unusual. To win the balance of power with a very clear agenda and then to have the economy sort of turn and go gangbusters and create that revenue flow into royalties, which, which gave us the firepower to make some of those decisions you talked about was a unique confluence event of events. Probably won't happen again, but we absolutely had a very clear vision about making livable regional cities and also, I suppose, wanting to wanting to make an example of saying this can be done because political history up until then was that, you know, it was a bit... You know, you get a new school once every 20 years and then you should be grateful for the new school. And even though the hospital was no good, you got a new school, so you should be grateful. And we made the decision that, no, that to, to make a modern, sustainable, thriving sort of, you know, northwest town based around this resource sector, that you had to have the best hospital and the best school and, and a good main street and have small bars and hairdressers and be able to attract a workforce. And, and, you know, and, and what people didn't see is that, you know, we spent hundreds of millions of dollars on power and, and water infrastructure. And, you know, I'd be sitting down there with the department and I'd say there's no new land releases because the sewerage ponds need to be upgraded and that's a $100 million problem. The sexy stuff. So, so we're, we're making $100 million decisions on, you know, basically doubling the sewerage capacity which, um, you know, didn't get too many people to the announcement of that. But those decisions are, are what sort of underpinned the opportunity for growth. And so we used to battle all the time with people that said, Karatha can never get to 50,000, Karatha can never get to 50,000. And oh, I always knew, well, Karatha will get to 50,000. Um, I set an ambitious timeline, um, you know, I think middle of the 2030s or something. So we're probably a bit behind uh, that line. But what I do know is that when I started in 05 looking up here and then 08 when we came to government, that the basic fundamentals for growth weren't there. Now the fundamentals for growth are here and we don't have that impediment. And so the next governments of any persuasion can't say that, well, Karratha or other Pilbara towns can't grow because they don't have power, water and sewerage. Mm -hmm. And that's where we started. There just simply wasn't enough power, water and sewerage. Um, and then you can't have blocks and then you get rampant rent, rampant house prices. No one can afford to live. And so many people have a negative or had a negative impression of the Pilbara because of that. If you got a job up here on big money, but then didn't have anywhere to live and you know, couldn't get a beer and couldn't get a haircut and needed to see a doctor but couldn't, then you go home thinking, geez, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah. And, and what I'm most proud of is that I hear so often now that, that people are really proud to call Karatha home. And it wasn't like that in, mm. in sort of 05. It was the exact opposite. Yeah. And so that to me has been the biggest change. It's not about what we built or what we did. It's about people that call 
Karatha home being proud of this town and that's a great thing and I think probably the most important legacy of royalty for regions for this part of the world is the individual saying this is a good place to live and telling someone else it's a good place to live and I know arguing with somebody else <laughs> who says no it's not mm. uh, and then explaining to them and so many people now come up and say oh it's, it's got this and it's got this and have you seen that and have you seen that and they're all the things that we did yeah. Sort of from 2008 through to 2015. Well, it's a little oasis now. I, f- I feel like we've had quite a few of our family friends travel around Australia and do a lap, and they w- never would have stopped in Karatha, yeah. right? And then they pull off the highway and they're like, oh, this is such a pretty little town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which is great. I want to know, what, what, what kept you here, Brennan? Because, as you mentioned before, uh, losing that last election, you stuck around. Oh, well, this place has been really good to my family. Um, I I love the frontier aspect of it. I love the fact that there is continuing and new opportunities always emerging. Um, uh, it is it is such an epicenter. You know, the uh, I, I used to say in my political speeches that the the mayor of Geelong would love to have the economic drivers. You know, so they had the Ford car industry sort of Geelong's most most well known and that was always sort of in terminal decline the Australian car industry (laughs) and here in the Pilbara we had you know Rio and BHP and Woodside and and all of the support businesses that that support them and and we talk in billions not millions Mm -hmm. and you know it's a it's such a small place for all of that activity to be happening and it just seemed like the upside was enormous back then and in my mind continues to be enormous uh and that creates a lot of opportunities and, and I've been lucky enough um, to sort of transition out of politics into sort of my own businesses and, and multiple. I've got multiple things that I'm doing and I'm constantly amazed every day at, at the new opportunities that emerge and how people that aren't from here don't understand the Pilbara or probably the resource sector to a degree, the communities, um, First Nations and, and all of the opportunities and challenges that are wrapped around that. And so, yeah, it's been it's been good to us, and you know, my my family's growing up now. I've got a couple of kids in Perth at boarding school, and you know, they could not have had a better start to to their lives. You know, that that base of you know Northwest understanding West Australia is a resource town. They've got an understanding of that. They've got great Indigenous mates that um that you know they started off at school and are still competing with now, and um and you know they're. Well, I hope, I hope, and others might have different opinions, as school teachers <laughs> might. I, I just think they're really rounded, um, and I had a great upbringing on a wheat belt farm, um, but I think that looking at looking at the experiences and opportunities that my boys have had, um, just been immense, and and I think really given them a, a solid foundation. And so, when you, when you pair it all back, when your head hits the pillow at night, what are you trying to achieve? Um, as a family and everyone up here, you know, it's a it's a place of young families. That um that that if you can check that box and say we really gave these kids a really solid foundation to build their future careers on, you, you can't ask for any more than that. And you know, my kids can spear a coral trout and set a tent, and it, it's it's really interesting. That they go down to boarding school and have this big thing where they take kids away from their parents for a week and put them into the boarding school and all these Perth kids are stressing because they've never had a night without mum. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all the boarders, all the kids from the country are like laughing at them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they go on outdoor education camps and my eldest son just went on one and he was trying to work out how he could sneak in a telescopic fishing rod so they could go fishing when the teachers weren't watching. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that. I love that they're, they're out and about 
kids and sport was so good and they did so many sports because it's easy up here and you know my wife Susan's down at that swimming pool bloody 12 hours a day I think so <laughs> I thank Christ we built that <laughs> that the, uh, the the walkway into that leisureplex I reckon is the uh, the most well trodden oh, yes. the most well trodden place you see you see everyone there three times a day <laughs> so no as I said the place has been really really good to the grill family uh, we owe a lot uh, to it and and hopefully we're we're giving something back as well now, you mentioned post-politics going into business. You've dabbled in a bunch of different things. I remember the first venture uh, was, I believe, if, if it's true, The Furnace, the movie. Yeah, correct. Um, and then you've d- uh, done more than mining. You, you've been involved with quite a few things. Are you liking the ability to do a whole range of different things that you know take your interest? Um, I think that what I'm doing now is the best bit of politics. So in politics, I love the, the innovation and, and doing things differently and, and finding a different solution to a problem that most people had shrugged about and, and sort of we came up with answers. So, you know, service work as a combination is talked about all the time now. It's mm. like a standard in the vernacular and villages are being built all across the state. I and mean, we invented that. Mm. There was no such thing. Right. Um, you know, the, the village behind the, the Pelago buildings was the first of its kind. We invented a new class of a combination funded by the state off the back of the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker couldn't afford to live in Pilbara Towns. And if we didn't find a way, there wouldn't be a butcher and baker and candlestick maker, yeah. and that's not a community. And so so that sort of innovation that we were lucky enough to be able to implement um, politically in our time in government, um, I've been able to continue on um, post-politics. So one of the first things I did, we went and discussed with Yarra that the, um, the industrial... Um, ammonium nitrate they were making for the mining sector because they're an industrial plant for making mining explosives but I convinced uh, the Yarra leadership that that was also agricultural fertiliser because ammonium nitrate is mm-hmm. um, and that there was an emerging opportunity in pivot irrigation off the back of what Brucey Chung was doing up at Pardue um, and now probably four and five years later um, Yarra are supplying basically all of the agricultural fertiliser sort of north of Carnarvon mm. um, and, and helping underpin the diversity of the economy, uh, the expansion of agriculture. What Bruce Chung's doing is amazing. Uh, Rio Tinto have, have started using the product as well out at their mine dewatering project. And so essentially we've got a, a recycling project where we recycle um, off-spec um, ammonium nitrate from Yarra and wastewater from mine dewatering uh, inland into you know growing fodder for for the cattle industry in the north. So I, I love that type of mm-hmm. of stuff. And you're right, we made a film, uh, partnered up with um with a, a new emerging director who made a great film about the Camelids in in Western Australia in the in the 1800s and took that to um took that to the Venice Film Festival and uh, and the like hard hard industry films, especially when COVID comes along and blocks everyone out of the cinema. It's probably not the right time to <laughs> to uh, to make a film, but we we're very happy with the with uh, with the outcome. And I work with some of the bigger businesses in town on sort of strategy and looking forward. And and a lot of my skills in politics are are very valid and relevant there about you know how smaller businesses deal with bigger businesses and. You know, that's one thing to talk about local content, another to actually see it implemented and put a little bit of pressure on the big guys to to, uh, to make sure they do that well. And I think, you know, the, the conversations on that are all positive. Um, I'm doing some work at the moment in, in renewables with that big push to decarbonise, that, um, that there's a lot of opportunities up here now for 
how do you do that when land assembly is relatively tricky? And especially how do you make sure that First Nations can get real opportunity in that? So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to work closely with Nullima um, around what that looks like for large-scale solar and wind farms up in the north. So hopefully we'll see more emerging in that over the coming years. I'm working on a carbon project where we're creating uh, carbon credits to uh, to sell into the offset market. So, yeah, I... I really like the diversity and, and you know, one of my criteria is if I need to compete with somebody, well, it's probably not my thing. Uh, I, I like coming up with the, the new idea that, that is first, makes it more difficult and, yeah. and more time consuming to get there. But yeah, that's sort of one of my criteria is that if someone else is already doing it, well, there's no space there. So go, go and find go and find something that nobody else is doing. Well, let's see if you've got an original idea here because <laughs> we uh, ask everyone this, if there's something that could change about Caratha, something they could maybe bring to Caratha, uh, you have the almighty power, anything's possible, Brendan, what would you do? Um, I would have the big companies go back 15, 20 years and not choose FIFO as the default um, and I can't blame the companies for making that decision because the infrastructure and the setup wasn't there. So, so, so bad planning decisions forced their hand. That then created a culture. Mm. And now when you argue against FIFO, there's more people doing FIFO and arguing for it than the regional communities that are arguing against it. And so politically, the FIFO argument is one based on numbers. And I remember when I used to argue against it, you know, there'd be front pages of the Bustleton newspaper saying, we like FIFO because yeah. we all live in Bustleton and we're FIFO into the goldfields or, or to the Pilbara. So, um, yeah, if I, if I could change one thing, it would be to be able to implement sort of some of the royalties for regions changes 10, 15 years earlier so that we didn't basically inbuild FIFO as the model um, into regional communities. If you did that, Caratha would be 50,000 already, in my opinion. And you could, sort of the Pilbara and the Goldfields are probably the most impacted uh, by that. And then because that's become a thing, uh, then it's very hard to unwind the thing. Because as I said, if you, if you look at it at the moment, there's probably, if you had a referendum, there'd be more people that, that rely on FIFO and communities and businesses that rely on FIFO. So they don't want to lose it. You know, mm. if you're running the bus from Bustleton to Perth, yeah, yeah. bringing the FIFO people up, you're not that keen on politicians running around saying we don't like FIFO because your business is dependent on it. And so, yeah, we're probably just a, a bit of a policy failure back in the day. And we had a real crack at turning that around, which I think we did to a degree. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that the, the Pilbara and the Goldfields particularly would be, you know, 50,000 strong by now if, if those policy decisions had been right back then. So is it time, you think, that's going to solve that as Caratha slowly edges its numbers up and gets bigger and bigger when it gets to 35,000, when it gets to 50,000? Will it fade out, you think? Um, I, I think it's ingrained now. Would be my sense. I I think it's a way of life that, be like anything, you know, it's history will record. It's a very unusual response to to, to workforce, um, and work life balance is a bit tricky. But if that's become the work life balance, then arguing for you to do something different becomes the abnormal bit. So, um, you know, I, I think that that as communities get stronger and and more, you know more and more people say Caratha is a great place to live, that more and more people will choose that option. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at a 
Geraldton sort of thirty five thousand, where Carruthers at sort of the twenty five thousand. That that you know, Geraldton's another step change in in terms of amenity and livability and all of those things. Um, and we've got to find a way to take the volatility out of our market. You know, this you know two thousand dollar a week rent thing is always going to be problematic until we get a head around that. It's going to be hard to attract and retain. But again, the I think the base is better now. I think we will continue to grow. I think the outlandish grill suggesting that we could grow to 35,000 will be met someday. <laughs> Hopefully I'm still alive. I'm hoping the Pilbara News will come and interview me at that point and say, you said this was going to happen. And I'm not too grey when, when when they ask me. But um, but again, the, the, these communities like Carrather and Headland and, and Newman and Tom Price and Onslow, Goldfields communities have, have given so much to the state and the nation uh, I just never think it's too much to ask that they, they get to bask in some of the reflected glory that comes from it. Perth is transformed into a modern, sustainable, mm. livable city now. I mean, go back to, to my time in in Parliament. You know, we did Elizabeth Quay. We did um, Yagan Square. We did um, the sports stadium. We did the netball stadium. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the big ticket items in Perth were driven by Colin Barnett. And enormous criticism at the time, yeah. but now everyone you know celebrates it. And that that sports stadium, God, we got absolutely belted for that day after day after day, and now it, we're celebrated for yeah. it day after day. I, lo- I love going there, and I always ask the people next to me. I said this cost one point six billion, and we shifted it from Subiaco to the to the Burswood Peninsula. And it was enormously criticised at the time. Any people here thinking about that tonight at the game? <laughs> they're, all, they're all cheering too loud. Um, and so, you know, uh, again, we hopefully laid down a, a really good base for Perth uh, and its growth into the future. And, you know, when we started, it was known as Dullesville. I don't think people say that um, mm. anymore. Uh, and Caratha was known as, you know, probably Nowheresville. <laughs> and um, and now, as I said, at the start of this interview the the notion that people are now proud to call Caratha home and proud to invite relatives to come and visit and people that haven't been here for 20 years come through and go wow this place is great including you know my most favorite venue of all Fiorita winning the gold plate as uh, as you know best best regional restaurant I love that you know, they're little markers where you go, hey, you know, we've done a right here. Mm-hmm. That for 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 Fiorita and and Bart and Lara's enterprise to um to win a gold plate for our community is something that we can all be proud of. And and everyone helped drive that. Everyone helped build the the basis that that allowed that to happen. And you know, I say the best business development you can do of anyone is sit down at Fiorita from you know five o'clock to to eight o'clock each night, and 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 the biggest decisions in in the resource sector in Australia are being made, you know, in in that venue. So yeah. not only have they uh, have they won a gold plate, but they've uh, they've probably injected billions into the national economy. So what's next for you? Uh, well, um, there's plenty on. As I said, I'm spending a lot of time looking at carbon uh, farming at the moment and uh, and renewables. So uh, that will continue to have a strong focus on the Pilbara, and um, and so there will always be uh, emerging uh, opportunities. Um, Mrs. Grills is uh, running the university centre and going gangbusters, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's been a really good addition. You know that that wasn't done under our watch. That was federal government funding. That, um, that that delivered that outcome and, and to see, you know, so many people pursuing the tertiary opportunities at the at the university centre now is great and I've just won funding support to move it up to the Kimberley. So 
Mrs. Grills is spending a lot of time um, up in the Kimberley now to roll out that similar program. So, yeah, no, the agenda is uh, is still ongoing. Um, keep shaping those three Grills boys to be strong, resilient uh, contributors to uh, to society and with a really strong Pilbara heritage. And um, keep on perfecting my uh, my fishing skills, which although I've been here a long time, I still seem to be very poor, and everyone else seems to post lots lots more better pictures than me. So, uh, no, plenty to do. I'm I'm on the road a lot. I, I travel a lot, but um, it's always great to uh, to uh, to have uh, the Pilbara as a base, and yeah, hopefully we can continue can continue to contribute to this notion of the place being loved um, and celebrated and uh and you know keep growing that residential workforce that means that you know we wear the leisure plex out and have to build another one that'd be great <laughs> uh brendan appreciate your time and thanks for joining us on the podcast cheers Pablo. the feel good start to your day this is pablo for breakfast Triple